Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Saint Joseph is the patron saint of the entire Universal Church. But how much do we really know about him? Whether you're fully ready for the Solemnity of St. Joseph coming up, or you don't know what a Solemnity is, this episode will help you learn just a little bit more about this important saint and his upcoming feast day. On today's podcast, we talk about 10 tidbits about St. Joseph, and along the way, we'll share a saint quote to live by that'll help you through Lent. And I make Lisa talk about her recent obsession with tiny houses. You won't want to miss it. So stay right here. Well, friends, it is finally time for Kevin and I to host our annual, what we call, quote, Christmas party. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Right. That doesn't really make sense. Let's, let's explain. So several years ago, eight years ago, in fact, Kevin and I decided we, we like the idea of a Christmas party, but everybody has a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to compete with other Christmas parties. And they usually have them during Advent, which isn't Christmas. That's true. That's true. So we said, well, we want to have an annual party each year, but when should we have it? So we looked at the calendar and decided. And by we, we mean Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I decided, and Kevin happily obliged, I wanted to pick, this this is the the party we picked, was the Solemnity of St. Joseph. Now, we like St. Joseph. That's true. That's true. But we particularly liked the fact that his feast day, his solemnity feast day, I should say, falls on March 19th, which is pretty much always during Lent. And it's one of two days during Lent where all bets are off. Lent mm-hmm. and fasting ceases. I hope you people know this because if not, you've really been missing out. There is no Lenten fasting on the Solemnity of St. Joseph, March 19th. So we decided that was when we were going to have our, quote, Christmas party. And for eight years now, we've been having a party with a lot of people. We just checked the Evite today. <laughs> Tells you what kind of community we live in. What Are you going to do the play-by-play the way we did it? Uh, would you like to tell the story then? What, I, no, so you, we, you just said we had our daughter ask how many people are coming. Yes. You said 33. I said, what? Is that from four families? To which you replied, five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the fifth family is a is a young family, so they just have one baby. So if you took them out, four of the families count for 30 of the people. And we'll have more people as the week goes along that everyone's RSVP. It was just funny that, yes, that was the number, I guess, the number of families. And it was extremely yeah. close. Yeah, two of the families RSVP'd have seven kids each. So Kevin was like, man, that other family, they were bringing down the average. <laughs> so... Anyway, so we're, we're getting pumped at the Cotter House because we have our annual Solemnity of St. Joseph party coming up here. And so you know, for the record, the other day is the 25th, which is the Annunciation. That's the other day where you can cease your fasting, the other Solemnity. Except for this year. Because I think the 25th is... Does it fall on, on like Holy, Holy Week or Thursday something? or something? Yes, yeah, that'll happen. It gets kicked, out, I think, to Easter season. Yeah, early Lent's kind of mess with them. You, The 19th I is almost so. always safe, but the 25th, it's happened before I've seen that. Yeah, I could be wrong. And it kind of gets floated. So anyways, all right. So we're going to be talking today in honor of the fact that the St. Joseph's Feast Day is coming up next week on the 19th. We are doing How to St. Joseph, and we have... 
10 tidbits for you on St. Joseph. But before we dive in, Kevin, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about why why are we celebrating this feast day anyway? Why are we having a party? Why why is an Irishman and a uh, a German Polish woman celebrating an uh, typically an uh, Italian feast day, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I think feasts are just a great reminder. It's um, I think a lot of times a foretaste of heaven. So we celebrate the the saints because we remember that there's a greater goal. There's something beyond us. And so uh, Joseph Pieper, we talked last time on spiritual reading, my interview with Father uh, Brian. We talked a lot about just getting more depth. And one of the things I've read this last year from Joseph Pieper is he talks about there are ultimately no feasts without the gods. And it's because uh, when we have a true feast... Does he mean the god? Well, I think just typically, like when he thinks through all of worship and gods throughout all of history. Oh, okay. Like when you have true feasts, it's always related to some type of worship. It's not just like, hey... Let's eat a bunch of stuff and have fun. It's always a sense of we're celebrating something that is divine, whether it's a real God or it's Yahweh, right? So even outside of the Catholic tradition, yes, all religious cultures have feasts of some sort. Yeah. Now, our secular age tries to make up different feasts and holidays. Oh, like crazy in America. Yeah. It's insane. Every day I get on and it's like, today's this day. You're like, what? And that's what they did after, like, after the French Revolution. Like They tried to create feasts, but they just didn't have the same meaning because it wasn't tied to anything spiritual or worship. And so I think feast days are so important because they are tied to our spirituality. And we want to celebrate the things that, that are in line with, with, with how we live. It's not to say secular holidays are like evil and we shouldn't celebrate the 4th of July or something. But ultimately, uh, the saints remind us of heaven and our heavenly reward, and that's why we have great food. That's why we have great friends. Like we're remembering the banquet in heaven that we're going to have, remembering the communion of saints we're going to be with. That's what this is supposed to remind us of. And so I think it's really important to feast, to really have that and to really foretaste that and to know that these are those special moments for us um, even more than those secular holidays. Not just things that people declare on social media, which it really does get old. I feel like there's four national sibling days every year. (laughs) Right. <laughs> it yeah. does. It just it seems like it happens all the time. And then now we're starting to come up with like international days. Like it just a couple of days ago it was like International Women's Day or something like that. Which fine, celebrate women, but like really like it's just like a secular thing we're just making up. And we wouldn't have this if it weren't for things like the internet and social media. Like mm-hmm. the world would never come up with that. Not that we shouldn't honor women. It's just I feel like there's a, an agenda behind there that's more self serving than than pointing towards God. Yeah. Obviously. So Anyways, I don't know. That's a whole other podcast. Okay, so let's dive into our tidbits. You ready? Ten tidbits. I call them tidbits because they're small. On St. Joseph. We'll see how mm-hmm. small they really are, Elise Cotter. Well, we have ten, so we have to go kind of fast. I'm ready. All right, so our first tidbit is that St. Joseph was a quiet man. That's right. Mm-hmm. My favorite quote of St. Joseph from the Bible is, he never said anything. See, that's the point. And on social media, you just get... You know, it's like, quote, dot, 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 end quote, yeah. and then says St. Joseph. Yeah. In fact, St. Joseph, he isn't even mentioned in the Gospel of Mark, which is kind of interesting. But we hear a lot about him in Matthew. So if you mm-hmm. want to read the passages that um, are about St. Joseph, involve St. Joseph, Matthew's really the place to turn. Luke also talks about him, but not at all in the infancy narratives. Um, and then John gives one line about St. Joseph. He says, quote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That's it. It's yep. like not even really about Joseph. It's more about Jesus. Yeah, so we don't really hear a lot from St. Joseph, which makes him a little bit of a mystery. But our church has a lot of traditions around him. And um, while he never spoke, I think that also points to 
his humility and in his role. And when you really read those infancy narratives and the childhood narratives um, that he's involved in with Jesus, you really see how he just kind of plays a humble, quiet role. And I think it's fitting then that he doesn't speak ever in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite Catholic songs. I just remember being at a wedding in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I opened up the hymnal, and it was St. Joseph is a quiet man. And that was the song about that he was quiet. Yeah, because you can't like <laughs> quote him in the song. What should we sing about St. Joseph? What should we say? Well, he, he was quiet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just love that that was not just like a part of the song, but the main header that he was quiet. Contemplating St. Joseph. Fantastic. So, yeah. Sometimes maybe we need to be more quiet like St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the lesson we can learn. Which, here. speaking of, let's move on to tidbit number, number two. two. <laughs> tidbit number two is that in Italy, Spain, and Portugal, St. Joseph's Day is Father's Day. It's a dual holiday. And I think this gets back to our original point here, right? That that we root the things of, of this world, even celebrating fathers, and something spiritual and looking at St. Joseph to be that great father rather than American dad, whatever that image is that we try to, you know, put out or I, th- I think we'd be really vague on what that means. Like, I don't know. What is it to be a father yeah. anymore? Yeah. But instead we're like, th- those Catholic countries in that spirituality attach Father's Day to this feast. What does it mean to be a great dad? It's St. Joseph. That's what you're compared to, not some vague sense. Yeah. So it's really, really, really cool. Fantastic. Okay. Tibet number three, St. Joseph was a rainmaker. It's true. That's true. You need a little more story to understand this. I think so. Yes. So part of what we model our solemnity celebration after is the way that the Italians, specifically in Sicily, celebrate the Feast of St. Joseph, along with their Father's Day celebrating, I'm assuming. There's a legend about a time in Sicily where there's this severe drought. And so the people began to pray to St. Joseph to bring them rain. And they promised, okay, St. Joseph, if you can intercede for us and and tell God you know we need rain and um God can bring about the rain if you if you do this answer these prayers through your intercession then we're going to host a feast in your honor this this big feast and so of course the rain came and the people of Sicily had this big banquet and to this day they still have what's called the Saint Joseph's altar and so that's what we do at our house and there's a ton of tradition around this I'll put up the link from my old mommy blog about uh, the Feast of St. Joseph. There's all kinds of traditional foods and and there's three tiers to the altar representing the Trinity. And there's just all these different pieces, including the fava bean, which was kind of the one crop that prevented everybody from starving. It was the only crop that held out during this um, season of drought before St. Joseph prayed or asked God to bring rain to them. And so it's just a really um, celebratory feast that every year in Sicily is a big deal. Everybody bakes breads and they, they celebrate and they get ready. Um, they all wear red, which is fun Yep. because that's St. Joseph's color. It's also Italy's color. Um, so kind of like we wear green on St. Patrick's day. They wear red on the feast of St. Joseph in some areas. And then the other interesting thing, and I don't really know the history behind this, but they eat cream puffs or zapoli, I think is how you say it. And you'll see them in street on street, like streetcars will have I've never seen them, but this is what I'm told. Streetcars will have cream puffs, and, and all the bakeries will sell cream puffs around this time. It's a big deal to have your cream puffs for St. Joseph's Feast Day. Streetcars? Do you mean like a vendor on the streets? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like I think like... Cart. Sorry, oh, not cars. cars. <laughs> I was like, you mean like the subway cars? <laughs> like, here, everybody, cream puffs. When you get on the subway... Sorry, I just wanted to make sure that was clear puffs. to our, our listeners. Sorry, cart. I left off a T. Yep. 
Yeah. So it's it's that's a big reason um, why in Italy they have such a devotion, especially in Sicily and, and surrounding areas. And that's what we model our party after is the St. Joseph's altar. That's right. Tidbit number four. St. Joseph, and trying to understand him more, one thing that we can do is see how he's a lot like the Joseph in the Old Testament. This is, of course, the Joseph in Genesis, who we have a lot of uh, just an amazing story about, but some, some things that are similar to both of them. So if we can just start with the Old Testament, Joseph, he fleeds, fl- he floods, fleets? Fled. He fled. Fleeted. <laughs> Fleeted. 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 He fled to Egypt, especially when his countrymen, in particular his family members, were trying to kill him. He had dreams. He also was a moral man, so he... Well, he, he was like, like his dreams were like prophetic dreams, like they had oh, meaning behind them. We all have dreams. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing... <laughs> like he dreamed. <laughs> he also breathed, <laughs> and uh, he was very hungry sometimes. <laughs> he had significant dreams. That we're on fire meaning. today, Lisa. <laughs> on fire. So he had significant prophetic dreams. He was a moral man, so we see over and over the virtue that, that Joseph has in the Old Testament, even when his brothers sell him, even when uh, he's thrown in jail, and particularly has morality in regard to his sexuality. So he's tempted in Potiphar's house by Potiphar's wife, but he resists her um, and, and stays moral. So on the flip side, when we see Joseph in the New Testament, first thing we'll notice, they have the same name. Whoa. Second, they both breathe. No. Okay, so <laughs> they both, uh, Joseph in the New Testament also flees to Egypt. His countrymen uh, are trying to kill him. His son. Um, and, and, and his son. Yeah, he's part of the party that's trying to be killed. Um, he has prophetic dreams, so that's one of the reasons why he sticks by Mary's because an angel comes to him and shares with him what's going on and what he needs to do. Um, he is a moral man, so he sticks by Mary in these hard times. Um, we know that, um, yeah, he, he's a just man is the way he's described. And in particular with his sexuality, that he honors Mary and her virginity as well. So it's funny to see that parallel in the Old and New Testament and something that we often probably don't think about. And I think it's important we always look at the Old and New Testament in light of each other because there's so much there. I, I think it's been said, not only by Scott Hahn, but I've heard Scott Hahn say it, that <laughs> history doesn't r- doesn't always repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Um, and so the same thing with the Old and New Testament is they don't repeat themselves, but they do rhyme. And there's a lot that can be revealed about the Old Testament in the New Testament and vice versa. Originally Mark Twain quote. But there Scott we go. Hahn does use it. I knew there was somewhere cool that came from. All right, tidbit number five. This is more of a reflection that I recently have and had. And so I don't know if I can like definitively say that the Vatican would say this, but mm, this is exciting. Yes. Thinking it through, I was meditating on St. Joseph not too long ago. And I was thinking about how he quite possibly is the oldest saint in terms of like when he was born, because he died before Jesus was crucified. And he likely even died before John the Baptist. So mm-hmm. when we say saint, like he would be like the first saint in terms of chronological order. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, we debated this earlier. We did because we were trying to figure it out because there's the holy innocence, right? Oh, that was what I was going to bring up. Oh, man. Oh, sorry. I no, no, that's good. I was like, that was the only one I thought about as we were talking about. I was like, oh, there's the holy innocence. But they're not named by name. That's true. So I guess he's the first like named saint because the Old Testament figures, we don't say like, saint ruth or something Mm -hmm. we holy mother ruth is some the way some people will put it but but they weren't saints because they didn't what about saint anne 
Oh, Mary's like mother. A, a really good contest, but we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. She could have. Yep. We don't know who. She could live till she's ninety. Mm-hmm. And I think it's amazing for me to think too. Like, where were people like Saint Anne and Saint Joseph before Jesus died? Like, did they? I'm mm-hmm. assuming they probably went to the same place that all of the other elect or whatever you know souls. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're waiting, but there's also something about like, well, they were saints, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because like in the Old Testament, we don't call them saints. We don't call Moses like Saint Moses. Mm-hmm. So like, would Joseph fall in that category because he died before Jesus died? Or I guess maybe Elizabeth too, like in oh, Zechariah. This is like a a weird vortex of things mm-hmm. we just can't figure out. Yeah. So all we know is that Saint Joseph was alive when Jesus was twelve, but after that he kind of falls off, and we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like. St. Joseph, who you hold up as a great father, falls off the bed. But he kind of falls <laughs> off. We don't, uh, you know, the he narrative. might have just gone wayward as a father no. or. <laughs> he exits the narrative, but That's we correct. don't know what happens to him. Yep. So he, who knows? Falls off. Anyways. Anyways, that's one of the questions I'm excited to ask the Lord when we get to heaven. That'll be great. Okay. It's time for a St. Quote to live by. Yeah. I got the St. Quote this week. And it is by Venerable Fulton Sheen, which makes it a venerable quote to live by, but deal with you, it <laughs> you like intercepted my my again my uh questioning but yeah go ahead it's okay good. it's a great quote for lent i think man laughs because he has a soul hence the more spiritual a person is the more enjoyment there is in his life in this sense humor is closely related to faith it bids us not to take anything too seriously i'm gonna say it again because it's a long one mm-hmm. man laughs because he has a soul Hence, there are more spiritual. The more spiritual a person is, the more enjoyment there is in his life. In this sense, humor is closely related to faith. It bids us not to take anything too seriously. I think this is a great quote for Lent because sometimes we're just over the hump of Lent, pretty much. It's late. Well, we're recording this on Laitari Sunday. Yes, you you had a funny look. Nope. Proceed. The priest didn't wear pink. That's why you didn't know. Okay. So. Rose. It's Rose, Lisa. <laughs> okay. Less and less priests wear rose-colored vestments as time goes on, I feel like. Sad. I know. It does make me sad. So the reason, okay, this quote, I love it because I think sometimes during this season, we can get a little bit gloomy and we can think that, oh, it's Lent and everything's so solemn and everything is so... Uh, sackcloth and ashes but even the bible tells us that when we fast we shouldn't go around moping and so even though we're in this season we should still have our joy about us we should still be able to laugh and yes we should meditate on these deeper mysteries of christ's death and his suffering for us of course but that doesn't mean that we should spend these 40 days in complete gloom and in complete irritability and in complete annoyance of the world and everybody because we're fasting and it's hard and we can't deal with our lives so i think it's just a great quote to reflect on at this time to remind ourselves that yes this is a season where we're meditating on on sadder things but at the same time um just like venerable fulton sheen says he says in a sense humor is closely related to the faith and the more spiritual a person is, the more enjoyment there is in his life. So even meditating upon these things, it should bring about um, a sense of joy as in the joy that comes from the Lord. Sorry, I love it. It's fantastic. That's my meditation. We're ready for tidbit number six. We are. Tidbit number six is that St. Joseph is more 
than just the patron saint of selling houses. I think when we think of St. Joseph <laughs> and we think of as a patron saint, it's like, oh, you mean the guy we bury upside down in our yard to sell our house? And he has to face the house. Okay, yeah. I think. I, yeah. I don't... Maybe the street. We were thinking about looking it up, but I don't quite know why you bury him. Okay. First, we bury him. That seems a bit odd. Second, upside down. Why do we need to make sure his head is first? That's He's going to lose blood flow. And then... <laughs> And then to to the house, like I just don't get that. So if somebody knows why that tradition is the way it is, that would be helpful. But yeah, we don't I'm know. very curious about that. But he's beyond, more than the patron saint. That's right. That's which what, isn't that, even an official thing he's a patron of. That's crazy. So he's the patron of the Universal Church, which is pretty crazy. So Mary represents the church. So because he is the caretaker of Mary, he's the caretaker of the church. That's really cool to think about his role with the church. I like uh, that. Mary as well. He's a feast of a happy death, of families, of fathers, as we mentioned before, of expectant mothers. Which I think is beautiful because mm-hmm. he cared for Mary, so he's then going to care for her. Isn't St. Gerard expectant. too, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, travelers, that's cool. Immigrants, that makes sense a lot too with immigration to Egypt. Craftsmen, engineers, and workers, we'll talk about that in a minute. He's also the patron saint of the Americas. Canada, China, Croatia, Mexico, Korea, Austria, Belgium, Peru, the Philippines, and Vietnam. He's all over the place. Yes, I feel like we have a lot of patron saints of the Americas. Our Lady Guadalupe is another one, patron saint of Americas. Our son just entered into the basement here, so I'm just going to move on while Kevin talks to him. All right, so St. Joseph, patron saint of lots of things. Tibet number seven is that St. Joseph was likely not a carpenter in the modern sense of the world. So when we think of St. Joseph and in a lot of our pious depictions of him, we've got, you know, little Jesus with his hammer and they're working together in the workshop or even in the Passion of Christ, we see Jesus as the carpenter who learned his trade from Joseph, you know, building wooden tables and things. And there's, there's nothing like wrong with that image. But when we look at it from a historical critical aspect that's probably not likely what St. Joseph was doing. He probably wasn't working with wood just because there wasn't as much wood in that area. And the way that they constructed was more uh, almost like as a mason, like Mm. working with bricks or stones and things. So basically he was a construction worker. I think is kind of the safest way of when we think of carpenter, he, he built things, but not necessarily with wood. There's this really cool story of, I think there's like a Colosseum or arena that's about eight miles away from Nazareth. And it was built right at the time of St. Joseph, and it's like a massive, massive arena. So they said they probably would have needed workers from all across that area to be able to construct it because it was just so huge. And that most likely St. Joseph could have been one of those people who helped construct it. So it's kind of interesting to see like what he might have done in that area. That's crazy to think about that you could go to an ancient site and possibly St. Joseph would have been on the crew. Yeah, you're like, St. Joseph built this. That's crazy. Yeah, that's really cool. That is really cool. Another question I'll, I'll ask St. Joseph when I get to heaven. Yeah. Did you build that arena? <laughs> <laughs> There's another really cool story um, that does point to, you know, his this, this idea that we see him as a carpenter. Um, in New Mexico, in the Loretto Chapel, there's this beautiful, amazing set of stairs that they attribute to St. Joseph. The sisters attribute to, they say it was St. Joseph that built them. And how the story goes is that they had this choir loft and they needed stairs to go up to the choir loft. And so they prayed this nine-day novena to St. Joseph saying, hey, we need the funds, we need a worker, we need all, all these things to make this happen. And so on the ninth day of the novena, this kind of shabby looking guy shows up at the door and he says, okay, I'll build you your stairs, but I need total privacy. 
and it's going to take me three months. <laughs> and so he just locks himself in the chapel for three months. Nobody sees him. They don't see him come in and out with supplies or wood or anything like that. And after three months, he kind of exits and these stairs are there and he just kind of disappears. And these stairs are just, they're a modern wonder. Like, like when architects look at them, they cannot figure out how these stairs were built. There's no center column. There's no like post holding them together. And it's from wood that's non-native wood. So this wood isn't even found in the Americas that these stairs are built with. And there's no way these, this, this guy could have like imported <laughs> all this stuff locked in a chapel for three months. So look them up. It's the, well, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's the Loreto Chapel in Santa Fe, New Mexico, just these unbelievably crafted um, stairs that go up to the choir loft that are pretty amazing. So, so he, maybe he wasn't a carpenter when Jesus was alive, but he is now. And that was in what, 18, 1887. Yeah. It's a long time ago. So I think especially the, the idea that he used non-native wood in New Mexico, that seems pretty crazy. Yes. And when you look at the stairs, just, you know, for integrity purposes here, 10 years later, they decided to add, um, a railing cause there was no railing. <laughs> he just was like float on up there, I guess. St. Joseph was like, yeah, Jesus survived without railings. It's fine. Um, there's no railing. And then they, um, later kind of fastened the spiral, um, to a pillar just because they were like, this could fall down one day. I don't know, but there's no metal nails. Everything in the construction is just dowels and wooden pegs. It's pretty amazing. We should go. We should go as a family. I know that'd be a really neat pilgrimage site. There's Make some cool happen. stuff down there. There's also some like holy dirt there or something. But that's another story. Could go in a tiny house. Stop it. <laughs> All right. You can't just say that and not explain. I've been on a tiny house <laughs> lately. <laughs> I just didn't even know. And all of a sudden, Lisa's like, I'm in a tiny house. It's like, where did this come from? I haven't been doing any media because of Nexus 90. And all of a sudden, she's like, I've been watching a lot of tiny houses lately. I was like, holy. Oh, so when I, I fold laundry, I watch like tiny houses. This tiny, is great. Yeah, there's a couple of YouTube channels that just. Do I tiny think it's houses. great, but I also think it's fun, and I'm I glad we got to share fun. with our listeners. One day, I want to live in a tiny house for one a while. Day, I don't know. Day. I don't know how practical it is. All right, tidbit number eight. Saint Joseph has two feast days because he's that cool. The Solemnity of Saint Joseph, March nineteenth, which is coming up very soon. But he also has St. Joseph the Worker. So going back to your last point is really cool. It's just to really highlight, great, Joseph, um, he, he, yeah, his profession in life was working. That was his vocation. So a lot of times when we think of the saints, many times they're religious, um, very spiritual in nature. And so I think Joseph is off, uh, just great because so many of our, our lives are doing physical labor, doing some type of work, working at a job. And so Joseph helps us uh, redeem that work and then realize we can become holy There's within dignity that work. In work. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah and that feast stays on may 1st something to look forward to nice yep yes tidbit number nine number nine number nine is that jesus is of the davidic line thanks to saint joseph so part of the prophecies behind the messiah why are you laughing i'm just excited about the tiny houses still <laughs> I just, I just, oh. that's why. One day, if we ever get a, like a real studio <laughs> and there's not like tubs of children's clothes on the backdrop behind us. Go um, on. In my nicely organized basement. Um, it'd be fun to put these up on YouTube just so people can see your faces. Cause half the time you're just like, you can tell there's something going on in your brain that nobody else can see. All right. So. Jesus is of the Davidic line, thanks to St. Joseph. Okay, so the Messiah, some of the prophecies, especially in Isaiah, talk about how 
this 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 Messiah would come from the line of David, right? Super important. And so Jesus, of course, then would need to be in the line of David. But it can be a little bit, I don't know, it kind of can make you go, oh, really? Like, he was just his adoptive father. Like, Jesus is of the bloodline of David because Mary's not from the Davidic line of David. Yet being from the line of David was important and necessary for the Messiah. So how do we reconcile this? So I think part of it is we have to understand how adoption worked in the Old Testament time. So in the time of the Old Testament, your son by birth could actually, you could actually abandon him. That was, that was allowed. You, you had that right as the bloodline father to abandon your son. Which is crazy. Which is really, really crazy. However, if you chose to adopt someone and bring them and graft them into your family, you no longer had the, you, you didn't have the right to abandon them. So a birth son could be abandoned, but an adopted son, if you chose them, you could not abandon them, which is pretty amazing. So almost in a sense, being adopted into St. Joseph's line was stronger than if he had been born into St. Joseph's line. And I think what's amazing about that is when we think about them, our own status as adopted sons and daughters of God, it makes it even more powerful when we recognize like God has chosen to adopt us and he cannot abandon us as we are his adopted sons and daughters. I think that's a neat point to meditate on. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Tip number 10, our last one. It's time. This one is a little bit more speculative theology, but I think it's exciting. It's interesting to think of. So when we read through the narratives in the New Testament, it says that St. Joseph was betrothed to Mary. And so a lot of times we hear betrothed, we get that mixed up with being engaged. And some of the translations just simply say engaged. Yeah, and so we're like, oh yeah, engaged, like they're going to get married, but then they didn't necessarily because like, you know, the whole angel came and had Jesus. The whole miraculous birth thing. Yeah, Mary would be chased. And so we're like, oh, it kind of fizzled. But they actually were betrothed. And so the way betrothal worked in the Jewish world was that you actually said, all right, we're going to be engaged, but it was more than engagement. It was, you took vows. So there's pictures of like Mary and Joseph basically like in some type of, it almost looks like a, a wedding ceremony in which they're exchanging vows and when they'd be betrothed to one another. And then once you'd be betrothed, it's like, all right, you're really going to marry me. You've made vows. Then the guy goes off and he builds a house. St. Joseph would have been good at. Yeah. And then, then after a certain period of time, then you get married. So you have this like vow before, and then once you get married, that's when. Then there's the coming together. Con- yeah. Yeah. I was going to use consummation, but yeah, mm-hmm. coming together. That makes sense. But so, like, yeah, in a physical sense too, like not only like that's, so like there's like phase one where, where the woman's mm-hmm. still living with her, her parents. parents. And then after everything's prepared, like a year or so later, I guess, then there's the coming together where then she moves in with her spouse and then there's the consummation. So like they were like in phase one of marriage. Yeah. So I think it's just interesting to realize this where it gets a little bit more speculative, but just St. Joseph's love for Mary, you know, and how that that love was refined in a lot of ways through the events that actually happened in their lives. But just like that great care he has. And sometimes we think of a, he's a little bit more far off or distant in his love because um, we don't know as much about him or whatever that be, but just to realize if you're thinking just on a human natural sense of someone who's making vows to marry someone else, you know, there's a relationship there. They, you know, hopefully enjoyed one another's company, you know, all those different things. They had that kind of relationship. And so I think it just gives us a, 
again, somewhat speculative, but a little bit more inside to just a relationship they had. And um, yeah, just cool to think about. Awesome. Well, those were our tid, 10 tidbits. Lisa, want to give our how-to challenge? Yes. So our how-to challenge this week is, is going to be very straightforward. Our challenge this week is on the 19th on the Solemnity of St. Joseph is to eat a cream puff. Yeah. Yes. And if you want to take it a step further, we're also then going to ask you to do something significant to celebrate, whether that be have some friends over for dinner or maybe you look up um, a, a prayer to St. Joseph. There's so many, so many, we didn't even get into this, but there are so many great novenas, so many great prayers, so many great litanies, so many ways that you can pray through the intercession of St. Joseph. And so uh, maybe let's do this, eat a cream puff and spend and find some way to pray through the intercession of St. Joseph on this feast of St. Joseph. You call your dad, wish him a happy Father's Day. There you go. Tell him he was a great dad. Yeah. He might be confused at first, but then you can tell him all about St. Joseph. That's right. Awesome. That's a great how-to challenge. Remember, these these days are so awesome. They unite what's going on in our lives with uh, the spiritual significance behind them. Well, that is our show for today. Thanks so much for listening in. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at makingmiraclefly.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin R. Cotter or Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a rating on iTunes. We're getting close, Lisa, to 100 ratings, but listeners, we need your help. So keep adding to our ratings. Well, that would be fun to flip that would, triple digits. Yeah, it would be awesome. So we'd really appreciate your help in trying to hit that goal. Um, add the podcast to your subscriptions. Tell a friend. Subs get the word out about how to Catholic. We really appreciate it. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it.